Thought the poets were weak, and the elders saw the young ones as foolish, and the rich man never heard the poor man speak. And one by one they ran away, with their made-up minds to leave it all behind. And the light began to fade in the city on the hill, the city on the hill. One thought that they knew better, but they were different by design. Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. And one by one, they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind. And the light began to fade in the city on the hill. Searching still But it was the rhythm of the dancers That gave the poets life It was the spirit of the poets That gave the soldiers strength to fight It was the fire of the young ones It was the wisdom of the old it was the story of the poor man that made it to be told. It is the rhythm of the dancers that gives the poets life. It is the spirit of Good to be in God's house today. Amen. I said that every Sunday for about 35 years back home. And then I realized, though, this could be described as God's house. You know who God's house is? Who God's house is? It's us. I thought about the words of the Apostle Peter who said, we are living stones being built up into a spiritual house to give praise to God. And so the church is coming together, all you living stones, you little Christ. And this morning I pray that we open our hearts to the Lord who's here 
and open our mouths to sing its praises. Amen. Good to have Eric Larson here today. He's new to Kelly and I, but not probably new to most of you. And we appreciate him being our guest worship leader this morning in the absence of Lori and Dan. What was that? Timmy's back there out of control. Hey, good to be together. Let's stand together as Eric leads us in worship. Good morning.
you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done come expecting to meet with the Lord. He's been anticipating this gathering all week. He's been preparing our pastor. Look what he brought us here. We're so blessed. He wants to do great things amongst us. Some of the best things that will happen in a church meeting when you come expecting is the good stuff doesn't all come from up here. It happens when the church gathers together and we speak life to one another, when we embrace one another and love each other. Just think what we can be. It's amazing. Father, we love you. Thank you for the invitation to come. To think that you hung the stars on nothing and yet you know us each by name. We invite you here, Lord. Lord, help us to have ears to hear the things that come from here, together, together in song, to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us as individuals. Help us to share our hearts and our gifts with others in this body today. I expect great things, Lord. You're so good. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we start to, to worship together, uh, we want to take just a few moments for you to uh, hug somebody next to you. Oh, yeah, we're way beyond the handshaking thing.
It is good to be together today, isn't it? So good to see all of you here today. We welcome you this Sunday after Easter. As you came in, you should have received a handout, purple, that looks like this. And inside that handout, you should have two cards. Why don't you go ahead and pull out those cards right now. One's a connection card and one is a prayer request card. Go ahead and pull those cards out of your handout and a pen. Dig down deep in your purse. See if you can find a pen. If you don't have a purse, check your neighbor's purse. There might be a pen down in there you could use. So go ahead and pull out that pen and that connection card, and uh, if you would, just write your name and your email address on there. If you write it so that I can read it, I would appreciate that so very much, but go ahead and write that down, and if you are here for the very first time, any information that you feel comfortable sharing with us, we would love to have that, and uh, I would love to drop you a, a note this week and an email, so thank you so much, everybody, for doing that. Appreciate that. And if you are a regular attender and if any of your information has changed, we're updating our directory. So go ahead and just put that updated information on that card. And I thank you for that. NAS 101 class is going to be beginning middle of May. And I get to teach with Pastor Scott. And I'm so excited about that. And he is just thrilled to get to teach with me. And we're going to be teaching that Sunday mornings, starting at 8.30. I know it says in your handout, eight. Um, I think it says 8.45, but we decided we have so much to say that we're going to go ahead and start a little bit earlier at 8.30. And if you are interested in being a part of that class to learn more about the Church of the Nazarene, um, if you're interested in membership, go ahead and just jot that down on that connection card as well. And uh, we'll be sure and be in touch to, with more information about that class. And also your, your card, after you write that down, you can put that in the offering plate in just a few minutes. Or there's a donation box right there in the foyer. You can drop that in. You can drop it in there on your way out. And also, any ways that we can be praying for you, just jot that on that prayer card and we will pray for you. Did you all know that we have an incredible quilting ministry here? We have a quilting ministry. There are women who make prayer quilts, beautiful prayer quilts. And they pray over them as they're making them. And they give those to to, um, people who are going through rough times, people who are sick. And it is just a beautiful ministry. And you can read more about that ministry in your handout. And uh, there's information on how to get involved in that ministry if you are a quilter or if you want to be a quilter. I'm sure they will teach you. I just want to say a huge thank you for giving in the offering last week for Ukraine. That is going to go to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and it will go to meet needs there in Ukraine. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity last week. Amen. Amen. Also, if you didn't notice, there are elections for our board and for our delegates to our district assembly going on in the foyer today. So if you are a member 
um, of the church, you, are, you can vote, and uh, you could, there's a table just right out there. You can vote after church today, and thank you so much for doing that. Also, take out your calendars and mark your calendars for May 10th. Um, at 6 o'clock, we are going to be meeting here for dinner, so dinner is included, so that's a, that's a plus. And we are going to meet here at church to discuss the results of our assessment weekend. About a month ago, we did an assessment weekend, and we're going to be discussing that on May 10th with dinner included. So be sure and mark that. Before we take our morning tithes and offerings, Brenda and I would like to read from Luke 23. On this Sunday after Easter, we want to come back to Good Friday and the cross. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and take our morning tithes and offerings. And again, if you'll just put those cards in the offering plate as they come by, I appreciate that. Thank you for your giving.
if you guys want to stand with us again as we continue worship.
Let's go to him in prayer. You guys join me. Lord, we are grateful for that fact that you are with us through it all, through any fire, through any trouble in our life. Lord, you, your word promises us that you never leave or forsake us. And I'm not sure where most people here are today, but I'm sure there's some battles going on in this room, in the midst of this time, that someone's mind is far away from here maybe, and they need your, they need your help. And Lord, I thank you that that is a truth, that is a promise that we can stake a claim on, that you are with us through it all. We thank you for that. Pray you be with us this time as we um, bring in your word and we bring in your your truth um, as a collective body of, of you, Lord. I pray that we can grow and learn and expand in our time together here today. But we are most grateful that your presence is here. Your presence is felt when we need it. Your presence is always with us pray that you be with us for the rest of the time. Be with Pastor Ben as he brings the word. Lift him up in this time. We thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as a body and worship and praise you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you. Eric's got one of those voices that I envy. Right? One of them. Yeah, I want to preach like Eric sings today. It's a rascal okay, voice. Yeah. Turn in your Bibles this morning. To... Huh? That lasts about three seconds, though. How do you do that? Where do you go? He's off. Hey, uh, when Scott gets back there, he'll bring the lights up so you can turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. I'll get to that text in just a bit. Um. Wanted to let you know that Kelly and I are leaving Woodland Park for five days on Thursday for the first time since we've been here. Uh, going back to Kansas City for uh, Kelly's graduation and our youngest daughter, who is also graduating, a little mother-daughter thing, will be driving. No, they're flying. Flying out, and uh, we'll get to see them and our little grandbaby, Emmy. I am not showing a picture this morning. How do you like that? I got so many... Nasty emails about my showing off my grandbaby every Sunday. No, I didn't really. Anyway, uh, Larry King, Pastor Larry King is going to preach next week. And he's already told me what his uh, theme is, and it's going to be a good one. So uh, show up. You'll celebrate communion first Sunday of every month, and you'll enjoy a good time here together next week. This is the last Sunday of a church year. I really don't know if anybody pays attention to that but us pastors, but uh, I like a fresh start whenever I can get it. Uh, Christmas is that for me, Easter is that for me, New Year's Day is that for me, 
September and the old school year rhythm is that for me. I'll take a fresh start anytime I can get it. And uh, I suppose it's a fresh start for us as a church. Uh, May 1st, next Sunday, will be the first Sunday, first day of a new church year. And uh, I just want to say thank you again to uh, this year's church board, um, Cliff, Jane, Jerry, and Tim. Could you guys stand just for a moment? Uh, let's applaud them and just thank them for their leadership in this past year. That's a tough job. Thank you, guys. I don't know if I've told you this, but back in February, we trained for this uh, interim pastoral role that we're filling with you back in January in Phoenix, and then we went back home and waited, and we finally got the call. And Lonnie Bullock, who heads this ministry organization that we're a part of, said, would you like to go to Colorado? Colorado, whoa, 1,660 miles west and 8,000 feet up, here we are. And uh, he said, we're going we're gonna to have a Zoom meeting with their board just to make sure that's a good fit before we finalize the agreement. And it was a good fit. And from that Zoom meeting forward, we've really enjoyed working with those that have just stood. And so many of you here that are uh, just so faithful uh, to your ministry, faithful to this fellowship. And these have been good days. Kelly and I are really enjoying being here. And uh, you have made good on your promise to be our church family in this new chapter for us. Uh, this is new ground we're cutting. And we're still, I think, trying to find our way after 35 years of uh, kind of one deal. Anyway, you've been great. A couple just little notes before I preach. Uh, for those that are new to the Church of the Nazarene, and that may be many of you, uh, I thought I'd let you know in brief what the process is that results in the names on the ballot that you're uh, going to elect to the board this coming year. The current board, uh, chaired by your pastor, in this case it's me, uh, selects a nominating team from that membership list. That nominating team meets. I chair that meeting. They nominate people for the board and delegates to your district assembly. They receive a letter of nomination. Uh, our nominating team follows up on every board nominee to make sure they got that letter. If they have any questions, we try to answer those, and we pray with them that God would guide them in their decision. And uh, they either uh, say yes or no to that nomination, and those that have said yes are there on the ballot. Interestingly, we nominated 15 people for the church board, 12 said yes. Now, back home, we'd have to nominate about 120 to get 12 yeses. So I think that speaks well of, uh, of you as a church and the willingness to lead. Just a word about membership as well. I'd like us to come up with a different word for that. I've been saying that for years in the church. Membership sounds a little bit clubby. Uh, membership in the church is not about privilege. It's about responsibility. It's really a person that is willing to make a covenant with that local church and perhaps the larger church that they're a part of because they believe what they believe the scriptures teach, because they believe in the mission, and they want to guard and protect that and see that carry forward in the days ahead. That's what membership is all about. And I hope you'll take advantage of this, what we call NAS 101, it's a, a good class uh, just to learn more about who we are as a church, uh, but also if you're considering making that covenant with this local body to preserve that mission, to, to be the pillar and foundation of the truth that Paul describes us as a church, then 
that would be a great thing for you to be a part of. Okay. I don't know if Tim or Jim or Larry or uh, Barbara or Harry, anybody that's preached before, did you do as much as I do before you even get to preaching? If that's wearing on anybody, just pray for me. Maybe I'll get past it. But I feel like I spent about 10 or 15 minutes talking before I even get to the message. I'm going to work on that. Anyway. In addition to that uh, portion of Luke chapter 23 that uh, Brenda and uh, Kelly read, I'd like to add just one verse from Galatians chapter 2 at verse 20. And Scott, if you can uh, bring that up for us. I'm going to recite it in what I think is a hybrid of King James and New International Version. Uh, back when I was a team Bible quizzer, I memorized this verse, and that was in the days when we, we still used the King James Version. I think it's a hybrid, but I love this verse, uh, Paul's testimony, and I believe it ought to be our testimony as well. Galatians chapter 2 at verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20, that is the word of the Lord. Kelly and I have that little response down, don't we? (laughs) My original plan for this Sunday after Easter was to celebrate Easter again. Just doesn't seem enough to do that one Sunday out of the year, although every Sunday is really Resurrection Sunday, amen? I wanted to anticipate our own bodily resurrection. Go back to that resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. He was just the first. As the Apostle Creed affirms, we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. When Jesus was raised, you could touch him. Thomas did. Ask Thomas. Jesus could eat. Yes, I believe there's going to be eaten in heaven. Praise be to his name. (laughs) We're not talking about a spiritual resurrection only. And we're not talking about clouds and harps and an all-white landscape either. Revelation 21, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The old order of things has passed away. And we'll have new bodies that won't get sick or wear out minds that will be clear forever and ever. Won't that be something? Back to that resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Praise be to his name. Can't wait. One of these days, I'll come back to that message. should be a good one. But I was drawn back to the cross for this morning, this Sunday after Easter. I didn't give the cross the attention that I normally give it in preaching and that the cross deserves, and I want to do that this morning. 
Some of you received a beautiful little cross made out of Palm Sunday palms uh, as you came in today. I didn't get around to everyone, and those are back in a basket uh, on that table in front of the sound booth if you'd like to get one after the service, thanks to uh, Kaylee Geffrey who put those together, and I've got one in my own Bible up here, the cross. Despite the power and joy and significance of the resurrection, it's the cross that has always been the symbol of Christian faith. Anyone wearing a gold or silver empty tomb around your neck this morning? Larry King is the only one. Or uh, a empty tomb tattooed on your arm? You didn't make a steel grave with stone rolled away to hang in the worship space. You made a cross. And that's what you'll find in millions of churches and cathedrals all around the world. The cross. You'll see three crosses in the field as you drive along the highway. Has you ever, have you ever seen that? The cross is chiseled into gravestones and cemeteries. It marks makeshift memorials where lives have been lost in car accidents. It was emblazoned on the banners of medieval crusaders as they rode into battle. It will be signed by millions of our Catholic friends in mass today. It's even a cell tower design option. Why? Why is the cross the symbol of Christian faith? Because on a Friday in the Jewish month of Nisan, our April, Jesus died on a cross for our sins 2,000 years ago. And before there was an empty grave, there had to be a cross. Before there was a resurrection, there had to be a death. Jesus didn't say, it is finished, when he stepped out of an empty tomb. He said, it is finished, as he hung dying on the cross. There's where the victory was won. Amen? And I thought before we slip past Good Friday and walk in the glory of the Easter season, we should stand at the foot of the cross again. The end of that passage that Kelly and Brenda read said those who followed Jesus stood at a distance as he hung there. We're going to come up close this morning for a few minutes. Crucifixion was a common form of execution until Constantine banned the practice in the 4th century A.D. It had been the cause of death for Thousands upon thousands over the course of 500 years in the Roman Empire. Two pieces of wood, a crossbeam, which the victim most often carried, was attached to an upright post most often already in place. The victim was literally, literally nailed to the cross. In order to breathe, the victim would have to pull himself up pushing or pulling against the nails over and over again. Often the victim died of asphyxiation. Perhaps that's how Jesus died. When the scriptures say he called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit and breathed his last. 
For Jesus, his crucifixion came on the heels of a sleepless night, having been arrested in the garden while he prayed and taken to the house of the high priest, where he endured a mockery of a trial. After that trial, he had been slapped, punched, spit on, and then the next morning he had been scourged or flogged. I've got a portion of an article written here by two medical doctors from Mayo Clinic describing exactly what a flogging was all about, and I hesitate to read it in the company of a few kids in this service this morning. A leather whip into which was was wound small iron balls or pieces of bone that would literally lay open the back and buttocks and legs of its victim. The intention put them as close to death without killing them as possible. It was an awful thing. How many have seen the movie uh, Passion of the Christ? That's the scene that I found most difficult to watch. And for what? The flogging, the slaps in the face, the arrest. For the miracles? For the healings? The lives he touched, the mercy he showed, the kids that he took time for? Doesn't injustice make us angry? At least when we're the object of it. Think of the unfairness, the insults, the mocking of voices in the crowd. Where were his friends? Where were his followers? Where were those who promised to die with him if it came to that. They had abandoned him, fled. In his suffering, he was utterly alone. I tell you the truth, Jesus had said the night of the Last Supper, one of you will betray me. And one of them did. Yet on that night of his betrayal, he washed their feet. All those friends, all those followers who would flee and the one who would betray him. When accused, Jesus did not come to his own defense. He stood silent before Caiaphas, before Annas, before Pilate. His only words were truth that would condemn him. Before a religious establishment that had gotten so far off track that they did not recognize God's son when he came. Before a governor who allowed mob rule to determine a man's fate rather than the rule of law. And as Jesus hung there dying, Without any just cause, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Indeed, that prayer that day was for all of us here today. Why? We heard the answer last Sunday, Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment 
that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If I were to turn back to Isaiah 53 in my Bible, I personalize those verses. Surely he took up my pain and bore my suffering. He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was on him, and by his wounds I am healed. Thought of that great hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Oh, my God. I said on Easter that we need to keep coming back to an empty tomb and remember the hope that we have and that this isn't all there is. We need to keep coming back to the cross and remember the reason that's true, that this isn't all there is. And remember the price that was paid for the hope that we have. We need to lay with Jesus on the floor of the house of the high priest that night of his arrest. We need to stand with him before Pilate and that crowd calling for his crucifixion. We need to walk with him through the streets of Jerusalem. We need to stagger up Calvary's hill with him. Hear the nails. Hear the cries. See him lifted up and stand at the foot of the cross. For starters, it may put our life into perspective. Amen? Two things this morning. We need to bring our hurts, our disappointments, our pain, our suffering to the cross. I think we've all been hurt. I think we've all been treated unfairly. We've all suffered, some more than others. I don't know about you, but I look around and I'm grateful for my life. Seems like there's always someone that has faced tougher times than me, but we've all been there. We've all been angry. We've all grieved. We've all questioned God. It may be that here today, someone's angry. Someone's grieving. Someone's questioning. We need to come to the cross with all that. Look up into the face of Jesus. Remember what he did, what he suffered, the questions that he asked. And as I say that, don't hear me saying that we shouldn't feel those feelings, that we shouldn't grieve. We should. They're legit. You can't just get past that stuff overnight. And we have a great high priest who sympathizes with our weakness. We have a great high priest who's praying for us right now, that loves us right now, that knows exactly what we're going through. And God gives us time. Don't hear me saying that you shouldn't feel that. It's okay. Read the Psalms. 
The whole range of human emotions are there. God gives us permission to rant, to question. But as we work through our grief, as we work through our anger, our disappointments, our hurts, as we try to forgive, what I'm suggesting this morning is that we should come back to the foot of the cross as we do that. There's perspective there. And there's grace there for our own healing and grace there so that we can be gracious. Grace enough so that we can forgive as God calls us to. In fact, there at the foot of the cross, I remember again that Jesus is our example. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians chapter 5, husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. There's grace there for turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, loving your enemies. How can we do that, we think sometimes? Jesus did. And with his help, he asked us to do the same. I'd say to us today, come back to the cross before you send that email. Come back to the cross before you post that comment. Stand at the foot of the cross and look up into the face of Jesus before you have that tough conversation. Stay near the cross and close to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world as you navigate all the frustrations and hurts and unfairness that are inevitable in this life. Maybe we should have our meetings at the foot of the cross. And come close to Jesus on Calvary when you've been the one that's hurt someone else. And know that there's grace there for those who humbly seek it. And I've been in that boat before. And when we come to the cross, we should recognize that Jesus is not just an example for us to try and live up to. The cross does not just give us perspective The cross is not just something God did 2,000 years ago. The same Jesus was raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit who fills us, Christ, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is in us today. Amen? Second thing, as we stand here at the foot of the cross, what happened to Jesus, he died and was raised to life, happens to us. The death and resurrection are historical events for sure. You can date them. They're on the calendar. They happened. Yeah. Ooh, I'm sounding a little bit like Eric all of a sudden. Yeah. But that death and resurrection becomes our spiritual 
experience. Think of that. As we receive God's grace through faith, as we open our hearts to Him, give our lives to Him. I talked to someone a couple of Sundays ago in this space that went through some serious physical stuff last fall, and he told me that they resuscitated him twice. I think he died twice and came back. That's what's happened to us spiritually in Jesus. We go from death to light, from darkness to light. We should never lose the wonder of that. After a while, you can forget what happened to you, but oh my goodness, let's let that be a, a current reality for us today. Romans 6, 4, the second half, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. But before there's a resurrection, there has to be a death. The first part of Romans 6, 4, we were therefore buried with Jesus through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And Jesus anticipate, anticipated both his own experience and ours in John chapter 12 when he said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know that name? German pastor, Nazi Germany hung outside his uh, prison cell for his part in a plot to take Hitler out. Fascinating pastor. Said in his book, Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Think about the beauty of Christ in me, like Easter Sunday happening in me. Resurrection. As one song has it, the resurrected king has resurrected me. When I'm willing to offer myself like Christ did. Have you? What was true for Jesus is true for us. Here's the counter-cultural, counter-intuitive, right-side-up kingdom truth. The path to life is death. Death to sin, death to our own self-rule, our own way, our own pride, our own truth. Newsflash, we cannot be our own truth source. God has made his truth known. Standing at the foot of the cross reminds me of that today. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers from his book, Mere Christianity. I think, Scott, I've got that quote there. The principle runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, 
and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. I have found that to be true in my life. Have you? Back to Galatians 2.20, Scott. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I want to live that. I want to die daily. I want to surrender myself to God daily. I want to offer myself a living sacrifice to him every day. What characterizes the beginning of the spiritual journey that we're on characterizes every day from that day forward. As followers of Jesus, we need to keep coming back to the cross for perspective, for sure, but for grace, for sure. And the reminder that we are called to the same path that Jesus took, the same self-sacrificing love, the same forgiveness that Jesus had and still has. For he was raised, he's alive, and here among us this morning, my friends. I think that the cross is the symbol of Christian faith because that's where we most see God's love for us. A love so great that Jesus was willing to offer himself to suffer, to die, to give his life so that ours could be restored. A love so great that a Roman cross was transformed forever into the cross of Christ, the symbol of hope and reconciliation and love. And we all long for and need that love more than anything. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Had the opportunity uh, occasionally back home to speak for a group of young men who played basketball in our life center at uh, GCN. 30 or 40 of them could be there. It was uh, bedlam and awesome. And one of those times that I had the opportunity to speak fell on Holy Week. can't remember if it was a Wednesday evening or Friday. We ran open gym times both times, but I had the opportunity to speak for that group of young men, and I had a couple of them that I was close to bring a cross in right before I began to speak. It was a life-size cross. Uh, it took two people to carry it that we used often in the Easter season. And they came in with that cross and set it down on the floor of the gym. They were all sitting up here on the platform. And I was out there on the gym floor, and things got quiet as that cross came in. And as those boys uh, put that cross on the floor, and it began to describe what happened to Jesus that day, much the same way I did this morning. And you could have heard a pin drop. 
There's something about uh, the cross and what Jesus did and the description of that, the true story of that, that just silences the crowd. What is God saying to you at the foot of the cross today? What is God wanting to do in and through us at the foot of the cross today? There's perspective there. There's a challenge there. There's grace there. Our sound guy, Jeff, back there prayed for us before we began the service today. and He prayed something to the effect that the message would be heard uh, by those who needed to hear it. And I can tell you what, that includes me today. Loving your enemies isn't easy. I'm thinking of a young lady that I loved whose husband deserted her right before COVID. I've had to go back to Matthew 5 a few times and pray for the grace to love. Who do we need to forgive? What hurt do we need to get past? What healing do we need to experience? What extra mile do we need to walk? What, what cheek do we need to turn? Here we are, followers of Jesus at the foot of the cross. We've got to keep coming back to that. We can't live this life the way Jesus wants us to live it unless we do. What is he saying today? What does he want to do in you, for you, through you? Just in the quietness of these last moments together. Do we just bow our heads and close our eyes and even though we're together in this place, create the kind of atmosphere, create a moment when we can just, just listen, when we can just pray, when perhaps we can offer ourselves again to the God that so loved us that he sent his only begotten son. Give us ears to hear you, Father. Give us hearts that are open. Surrender. Give us the grace that we need to do what you call us to do. Lord Jesus, We want to see you.
you. Holy Spirit, for your faithful ministry to speak truth into our lives. To convict and comfort and counsel and guide. We trust you to do your work here this morning and in these days ahead. Would you stand with me? Jeff, if you would, fade that music. And Scott, can you bring those lyrics up to an old hymn? Anybody recognize this hymn? Near the cross. Could we sing that together? Just your voices. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever till my ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river. Now let's sing another verse. Oh, that is the other verse. <laughs> Let's bring it up a notch, too. Near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star shed his beams around me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river. One more verse. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadows o'er me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my ransomed soul shall find Rest beyond the river.
as we're sent again this Sunday to go and be Christ's hands and feet. Every time we see a cross, whether it's around someone's neck or tattooed on their arm or by the side of the road, let it be a reminder of what Jesus did for us, his love for us, his forgiveness, his complete surrender to the Father. And let's offer ourselves in surrender to the Father. Let's pray for the the grace to forgive where forgiveness is needed. And let's love our neighbors ourselves. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace. Remember that election if you haven't taken care of that yet. And if anyone has any questions about that or just wants to talk or pray together, I'm available to you. God bless you.